0: Welcome to Season 4 of the Canon Podcast, my name is Alex. Journey with me as we explore the walking out of our faith and worship in the culture that we live in. Okay, let's do this. I spent my first 40 years with an inkling that there was something more. I didn't find it in money, or career, or people, or even material possessions. I really felt like I'd spent 40 years walking away, no, it was much more like running away as fast as I could. It wasn't until I found the good news of the gospel in my early 40s that I realised that I wasn't seeking truth as much as I was seeking pleasure. Faith, finding me, has changed everything. I've got 40 years of catch up. Journey with me as we dig deep into culture, faith, and worship. Okay, let's go. The Canon Podcast is a work in progress. We're exploring and discerning how to best use this podcast medium to share the good news of Jesus and at the same time have something to say that helps us all to become better disciples. In this season of the Canon, we're going to follow along as we walk with Jesus through the eyes of Matthew. Now, you can really help us out by tuning in and getting involved just by liking, sharing and leaving us a comment. Interacting with us in this way makes all all the difference in our ability to reach more people with the good news of the gospel. And of course, it's totally free. So go ahead and help us out. Tonight, we're continuing to work our way through the book of Matthew. And uh, we've, we've seen Jesus start his ministry. We've seen Jesus a few weeks uh, back get baptized by John in the River Jordan. Um, Jesus is then, last week, calls his disciples and starts his public ministry. And today we're in Matthew 5, which is commonly known as the Sermon on the Mount or or the Beatitudes. Um, And we're going to start by reading this passage. So I just encourage you, if you've got uh, your Bible in front of you or a Bible app um, and you'd like to turn uh, to read with us. We're reading Matthew chapter 5 and verse 1 uh, to verse Twelve, And I'm reading from the ESV, the English Standard Version. There are, of course, uh, many great versions, but this is the one that I happen to have. (laughs) And I think it's a really good straight English uh, translation. Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Matthew 5, the Sermon on the Mount. It's such a powerful and famous passage, isn't it? And I think it can be easy to kind of look through or look past what Jesus is saying to us. Sometimes I wonder whether we become so familiar that we stop actually seeing what Jesus is saying to us as his disciples, as his followers. So what is the Sermon on the Mount and what is it saying to you? What's its relevance to us you know the words of jesus have changed and transformed civilization over the last 2000 years so jesus words are incredibly powerful and we know that god is a is a god of word isn't he he gives us his word in the scripture so that he is revealed to us through his scriptures we know that in the beginning was god in the beginning was the word and the word was god and the word was with god so god speaks into existence all things that are seen and unseen so God is not only word, but he's a God of his word. But what's really interesting here is that Jesus is telling us something different, something new. So when we look at these words, let's see them with an open, open mind and an open heart and see what God is trying to say to us. i like uh, N.T. Wright. Let me just read something from... Uh, this book, which is uh, Matthew for Everyone, which is a kind of a, a, a good kind of at home introduction to uh, the book of Matthew. And I love what he says here. N.T. Wright says, Jesus is not suggesting that these are simply timeless truths about the way the world is, talking about the Beatitudes or the blessings. Let me read that again. Jesus is not suggesting that these are simply timeless truths about the way that the world is, about human behavior. If he was saying that, he was wrong. Mourners often go uncomforted. The meek don't inherit the earth. Those who long for justice frequently take that longing to the grave. This is an upside-down world. So I think what Jesus is really doing is he's turning everything on its head. And he does that so often. The first, the first will be last. He turns things upside down and on its head. So when you're thinking about the words of Jesus, you've got to, you've got to think how does this relate to our world and to our lives because the mourners go uncomforted and those seeking justice often take that seeking to the grave. So if there's no god, if there's no ultimate being, no ultimate source of good and morality and justice, then there's a whole bunch of this world that really ends in darkness. And that's a terrible place to be, and I think that Jesus is really saying here is the inbreaking of God's kingdom through God himself, through his son into our world. A world that values, and this, this is going to sound the same 2,000 years ago as it sounds today, a world that values what? How we look, what we have, our, our status, our financial status, what sort of car we drive. Perhaps that wasn't such a big issue in Jesus' time. Maybe they had, I don't know, fancy carts with mag wheels on there, yeah. <laughs> or special horses. I don't know. But you, you can see the point is that we value the things that have uh, a material wealth associated to them. And here Jesus is saying the complete opposite. He's turning it upside down. He's not coming to say to us, Hey, well done everybody, you've done such a great job. Good on you for making your fortune. Good on you for that level of fame you've developed. And I really like that that house you have down the coast or perhaps in the Hamptons or wherever it happens to be. Well done good and faithful financial servant. That's not what he's come to say, is it? In fact, he's come to say quite the opposite. He comes to give blessings on those who often don't receive blessings in our culture. Do you hear that? He comes to give blessings lavishly on those who believe and trust in him. And it's an upside-down, topsy-turvy kind of a world. For he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. And this word beatitudes, which you may well have come across, just means blessing. So blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who are hungry and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those that sh- who are merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart blessed are the peacemakers blessed are those who are persecuted because of following jesus blessed are those who people who are insulted or persecuted falsely because of following him so it's not the usual blessings that we would we would think consistent with our world today or perhaps even with the first century world these are entirely upside down topsy turvy it's a little bit like this story. I don't know whether you can relate to this or not. Um, imagine being in the line, and this for adults might take you back to school, uh, perhaps. Uh, imagine yourself in the in the tuck shop line at school. Now, I don't know whether tuck shop is a word that maybe you understand in elsewhere in the world. A tuck shop is, you know, it's kind of like, oh, how do you describe it? It's a place where you can buy your buy your food at school, you know, lunch, snacks, that sort of stuff. And who typically is at the start, is at the head of the line, is it the smallest, quietest, meekest person? Doesn't tend to be does it? It tends to be the person who's arguably a bit stronger, a bit louder, perhaps a bit more obnoxious and making some unfair generalizations of course but you can see the picture that the first in line often put themselves in that position. And what Jesus is saying is he's taking that line, he's saying, you who have pushed your way to the beginning of the queue, now the queue is completely reversed. So that the person on the end, the meek, the mild, the low in spirit, the mourner, the peacemaker, the one who is suffering because of persecution for Jesus' sake, that person is now going to the start of the line. And this is God calling his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. So I wonder whether that makes sense. it, It kind of doesn't make logical sense given the world that we see. But we can see as we follow Jesus' life and ministry, his death and his resurrection, and the teaching that he gives to his disciples and his apostles and to us through his revelation of his word, we can see that he is bringing up those who truly humble themselves, put, them, put their faith in God and in Jesus. Because if you don't have the humility to stoop down out of your own headship and to make Jesus or God your Lord and your King, then it's very hard for you to become an heir or an inheritor to the kingdom that God is bringing in to being. So Jesus is saying, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are those who are peacemakers and blessed are those who will be persecuted for following Jesus, following him, for picking up your cross and carrying that weight throughout your life. And I think that this is a great encouragement, particularly in times of struggle and strife. You know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. When I put my faith and my trust in him, when I listen to the Sermon on the Mount, when I see the blessings that he so lavishly gives to even the lowest of us, wanting nothing other than for us to come to him, to put ourselves under his lordship, to acknowledge that Jesus is king, that God is our heavenly father. (laughs) That we know that our place in heaven is secured because of his incredible love for us. No matter what we bring, no matter what we come with, there is nothing we can do to buy our way into heaven. We can do nothing but put our hands out in supplication and receive that gift of grace and of hope and of love and of new life that God so freely gives to us. And I think that's what's so incredible about Jesus and about God coming into this world, is that he takes the lowest and he raises them up to new life. For as he says, we're all dead in our sin, turning our backs on God. And yet while we were still dead in our sin, God loved us so much that he sent his son into this world so that we could put our trust and our faith in him and not perish but come to know eternal life. And that, I think, is the blessing of the Sermon on the Mount. To see that the world under Jesus, with God breaking in as he does, is an upside-down world to what we expect from a cultural and a society perspective. So I'd encourage you to sit with the Sermon on the Mount, this introduction, over the next week and see what God is saying to you. Where are you in that line? Are you at the head of the line? And have you pushed your way there? Or are you somewhere down the other uh, other end making your way through life, noticing the struggles, not pushing not pushing others out of the way, but understanding that Jesus, Jesus is God, that Jesus is your Lord, that he has come for that message of salvation and that that message is for us, for all of us and all we need to do is to receive that incredible blessing. Lord, I just thank you for your word through scripture. I thank you that it's been passed down faithfully through all of these centuries that we can look back and see who Jesus was in his life through, through those that knew him, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John and we can see what happens to, to, to Jesus. We know, we know the story, we know that God has come into this world on this incredibly daring rescue mission to bring us out of our sin, to pay the price that we cannot afford to pay and to defeat death, and to show us a way to et- eternal life, but eternal life in relationship with God the Father. Lord, we thank you for this incredible gift. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you're just tuning in, my name is Alex. This is Sanctuary Chapel. It's my pleasure to be with you tonight. I wonder where you sit. What, who do you think Jesus is? Is he who he said he was? Do you notice that sound of knocking on the door? Is there a gap in your life? Is there a spiritual yearning that you just can't feel? You know, I remember before I became a Christian, I had this deep spiritual yearning. I wanted to know what, what was it that was missing in my life? And it wasn't until I was aware of Jesus knocking and was prepared to humble myself to open that door and allow Jesus in that I really started to flourish (laughs) and to know what it is to be a a human flourishing in God's world. So if this is you, I just encourage you today to take that step of faith. Take that step of faith. Allow Jesus into your life. Invite him in. Let him be King and Lord and Saviour. So if you're at this point, I'd love to invite you to join us and to become an heir to this kingdom. It's a funny thing. It's as simple as professing your faith in Jesus and allowing him into your life. So I'd encourage you, if this is you today, pray with me. Pray with us. Pray out loud if you're at home. Pray in your heart. If you're already a believer, I'd encourage you to pray along with me anyway and reaffirm that faith that we have in Jesus Christ as our Lord. So let us pray. Lord, I thank you for the gift of my life. Lord, I thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, I know that I am a sinner. I know that I am in desperate need of a Saviour. Lord, today... I invite Jesus into my life as my Lord, as my King, as my Heavenly Father, as my God and as my Saviour. All of these things I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer, you know there's some kind of supernatural power that God has through the Holy Spirit to change lives. You now, back in the Old Testament, it says in Ezekiel, take out this heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh. And I remember that process for me when my heart was broken from, from the old, crusty, uh, outdated uh, brokenness of my own life and, my, and, and the depth of my own sin. When that heart was broken, what was revealed was a heart of flesh. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I was on a retreat uh, a week or so ago. And we, I, I told this story to a small group, and and uh, one of the one of the friends there said, you know, it sounds the picture that I'm getting, and I'm you this you may relate to this. The picture I'm getting is of a heart which is covered, perhaps encrusted uh, in years and years of dirt and filth and 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 sin. And as that is broken away, as that those outer layers are torn, it reveals. God's ultimate purpose is for our lives. Inside is that beauty that God Himself plants into our souls. And I think that's a great encouragement. So allow your life to be transformed by the love of God. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Canon Podcast. We look forward to speaking with you again next time. Until then, God bless you and bye for now.